Shut up and sit down. Welcome back to another summer edition of the Limited Upside podcast. We're doing our team-by-team countdown, kind of by worst to first. And now we have gotten to one of the most intriguing teams, Mora, Mike, and I, is uh, my favorite teams to talk about, even though we're not from their fan base, and that's uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves. We have uh, the Canis uh, Hoopus, is that correct, uh, guys? Is that correct? We have John May. John Meyer, I'm sorry. And uh, I knew I was going to do that. John Meyer and uh, David Naylor from, uh, from Canis Hoopus, two of the editors. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Yep. You yes. Got it right. Yes. That's yes. Correct. Got it. Hey, is that Latin? Is that correct? Oh. Yes. Gray wolf. Gray wolf. Gray in Latin. Wolf. It's a. It's a nice little pun for a basketball well. blog. Very nicely. Mm, nice. I like a reference to that. Um, cool. So you guys have one of the most fun teams to be a, a fan of. This is very exciting. It's a good time to be writing about the Timberwolves and figure two of the best guys to have come on and, and kind of dissect the summer moves. We kind of talked before the podcast about where's the only place to start. I asked you guys and you said Thibodeau. So. What's he going to bring to the team, guys? What is he, you know, what is the pulse of the fan base? How are they accepting him so far as the summer has gone by? And how do you think he's going to kind of bring out uh, whatever it is he's going to bring out from, from Wiggins and Towns? What is it that he is going to add to them? So, um, I mean, if, if you want, uh, John, you can take this one first, and Dave, feel free to go from there. Yeah, I think, I mean, obviously this was probably the biggest addition for the Timberwolves this offseason. Not probably, it was. It was uh, one of the biggest additions across the league is getting Tom Thibodeau in into Minneapolis and, and making him the president of basketball operations and the head coach. And I think he's one of the best coaches in the league. He was the best coach on the open market, um, in my opinion, and, and most people's opinions, I think. And I think he's a perfect guy to take over this young core. I mean, let's say like the second half of last year, <clears throat> their offense was outstanding after, after the all-star break. But their defense was a nightmare, and I think Thibs obviously is known for his his defensive mindset. And I think um, for the Wolves to take that next step, they have to unlock the defensive potential in Andrew Wiggins, in Zach Levine, in Carl Anthony Towns, in all of the guys, Gorgie Jang, Shabazz Muhammad, all of them. They all have to take the step on the defensive end because, as, as I was saying, I mean, I think they were finished fifth in offensive efficiency. Um, post All Star break, they were scoring on any everybody once they went to the Rubio Levine backcourt with uh, Wiggins and Towns and Jang in the front court. So I think it's a great signing, and um, I'm sure David feels the same way. And I have been on record as one of the more skeptical of whether Thibodeau was the right guy for the Timberwolves. I I had some questions about his tenure in Chicago, and I know that's come. There's been a lot of media on both sides of that as to whether the issue of him overplaying players was over overpresented by Chicago media, put narratives pushed by the Chicago front office. But I I I wrote a piece actually right when Thibodeau was hired of questions I had for his tenure, and I'm it's uh, it's August. We have none nothing of the questions I've had from him have been answered yet. But I'm excited to see what he'll bring as far as defensive focus. John talked about the the period post All-Star break where the Wolves played their best basketball of the season. They were 12 and 16 after the All-Star break last year, but their defense was atrocious. And mm-hmm. I think Thibodeau can help that, but I'm curious to see whether or not he's going to do that by changing the Wolves starting lineup or by presenting 
or by working with the starting lineup, the um, Rubio, Wiggins, Levine, Jang, and Towns lineup that he has and trying to improve the synergy of that lineup and see how that's going to do. I'm excited to see what his system brings with the number of impressive athletes the Timberwolves have from all of the previously listed players to adding Chris Dunn in the draft this year who already showed in Las Vegas how impressive and tenacious of a defender he can be. So I'm, I, I'm curious to see where it is, but I don't think it's, it's a done deal as nothing in this industry is. Nothing ever is. I've got your posts uh, pulled up here. You've got five questions. You've got uh, what his plans for reshaping the roster. We'll talk a little bit about that later. You mentioned the playing time with Chicago and all the minutes. You talked about, we'll talk a little bit about his offensive goals, how he's kind of lay out the front office, and we're definitely going to talk about Ricky Rubio. Uh, but I have a much more fundamental question for both of y'all. How. Are you surprised the Timberwolves pulled this off? I mean, top coach on the market. They obviously gave him front office control. This is an organization that I would describe as being sort of having a very tight inner circle. It's sort of hires from the same pool to go outside that to get the top coach on the market. I mean, how surprised are you that they pulled this off? If you follow the Timberwolves heavily, you'll hear the term country club thrown around a lot. Mm -hmm. And this is... This was a leap outside of the country club regime. And what was what was most impressive to me when when the entire Thibodeau signing went down was how fast and decisive the Timberwolves went down. They clearly knew that he was going to be in high demand across the league. They knew that if they wanted him to be there, they were going to have to make him the big offer to give him full power over basketball operations and give it to him immediately after the season. It was shocking to me that Sam Mitchell lost his job immediately on the final night of the season. And that that's got that may have gotten a little bit lost in this, but it was mm-hmm. the night of the last game within an hour of the end of the game, Sam Mitchell was gone and it was over. So they they were very, very decisive with that, which is not decisiveness has not been something that's been associated with the Wolves ownership in a while. Yeah. I mean they've kind of been in because they've been in a very similar position for a while, right? So, I mean, obviously, there's kind of been a status quo that's been set in place, and that that's... I, I, Mike, I'm, I'll let you... You were going to say something. Go ahead, and then I'll pass the next I was question. just going to say, wasn't there a lot of noise that Mitchell might come back? And then, just like you said, very swiftly letting him go. I was just going to add on to that, because I, I wonder if some of the thought that Mitchell was coming back was because of an assumption of status quo, and so that's why I mean, I'm so intrigued by how this is going to work. This is a very un-Timberwolves move. Yeah, no, I think one of the things, guys, is that from like an outward perspective, that's as a Sixers fan, which has always been funny about watching the Timberwolves, is that that Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns thing like uh, could have been it could have been the Sixers, and that like kind of breaks my heart as a basketball fan. But I'm very happy for you guys. <laughs> um, it's even hard to say it out loud, right? But uh, I'm so no, sorry. It's just because there's so much like potential, obviously, in them, and, and you've already seen. You know, I think Carl Anthony Towns is one of the best players in the league right now. You know, whatever August fourth, two thousand sixteen. Um, but it, one of the things I think that I think Tibbs saw was like that extremely unique opportunity to be able to say like, wait, so I get the ability to build what I want around two pieces that make a lot of sense together. And then a plethora of, uh, of guard options, which is a question I actually want to ask you guys is that, is it a similar situation to the Sixers, but kind of flipped with their guards where there's, there's a lot of them done 
Rubio, um, what's his name? Uh, Levine. Levine. Levine, and the, uh, the other, uh, Tyus Jones, a, a number of guys, obviously, who play the same Shabazz position. Muhammad, although he's more of a wing. He, he's, he's a, he, he is a only wing, I'd say. He's not going to be in that point guard discussion. But the idea being, like, that's a lot of guards. Is there going to be a stunted thing going on here? Or how do you see Tibbs, who is used to playing few guys into the ground, playing with a bunch of players who might need to have minutes spread around? Yeah, I, I don't think there's too many guys at all. I mean, the, the biggest problem with the Wolves, and this is what makes Rubio look so good from real adjusted plus minus and RPM, and his on-off numbers are just off the charts, is because they don't have a backup point guard. They probably mm. they haven't had a backup point guard for years. And so Chris Dunn's immediately going to help that uh, just an incredible amount. And I think he can play next to Rubio as well. They said that on draft night that they envisioned the two playing together a little bit. Dunn, I think he has a 6'9 wingspan. He can play the two guard. I think he can defend twos. Can he shoot like a two? I don't think so. Not yet. But he can play some bully ball, almost like a Dwayne Wade maybe. I'm not comparing him to Wade, but just to throw that out there, I don't think there's too many guys. <laughs> I think um, with Rubio, Levine, Dunn, I really like that. Now with Tyus Jones, he was a summer league MVP. He looked outstanding out in Vegas. Um, it was great to see him take the next step in his game, but he's still 20 years old. He's still yeah. too small. They need to, I mean, last year they tried to lock him in the weight room all year and just put on muscle. He has put on a little bit of muscle, which is great to see. But Tyus, he can play, he can play point guard and he can run an offense right now in the NBA. He's really good in the pick and roll. But he can't defend in the NBA right now. And yeah. I don't think Thibs is going to – or Tibbs. I know it's Thibodeau, but they call him Tibbs. Kind of weird. <laughs> I know. It is weird. It's yeah. weird. But th- I don't see him putting Tyus Jones in if he's going to leak points like he has defensively. I mean, he needs to take a huge step. Now, if his team scheme fits um, Tyus Jones better than Sam Mitchell's did – that's something we'll have to see. But I don't really see Tyus Jones getting a lot of playing time unless an injury occurs. I see a lot of uh, DMP CDs. I see him playing down in the D League. But, I mean, it's interesting. I can I can see him succeeding because he does seem like that, you know, Aaron Brooks, Nate Robinson type point guard, DJ Augustine, that, that Tibbs has worked with and has had success with in mm. Chicago. So I like the match like the pairing between the two and I like Tyus as a prospect, but um, you know, I don't see him having a huge role this, this year. So I think the three guard rotation between Rubio, Dunn, Levine, that's going to be really nice. And I don't think it's crowded at all. I think they all bring some, some different things to the table. So let's tell you about that three guard rotation. I agree. First of all, that relying a lot on Tyus Jones, despite his summer league is probably asking a little much great. If he does give them that, not sure I would count on it. Now, the three-guard rotation, you know, you're saying, and Thibodeau is saying, that Dunn and Rubio can play together. I I'll believe it when I see it, I guess. Uh, I I'm super think, skeptical. Yeah, I, I'll believe it when I see it. I think neither of those two guys have great perimeter jumpers. Dunn is, when he was at Providence, he was balling his hands all the time, running pick and roll, d- directing a team. You know, he may have attacking instincts, but that's the NBA these days. Most people have attacking instincts. Rubio is sort of a different breed i i don't think they can play together and then which kind of begs the question like i and i I, to step back sort of more generally i think any team that drafted chris dunn 
was going to have this dilemma on their hands because if you look at the teams in that range, you're talking about uh, Boston, who has Isaiah Thomas. You're talking about uh, Phoenix, who had Bledsoe and Knight and all their guards. You're talking about New Orleans with uh, uh, Drew Holiday. You're talking about Denver with Moutier, who's kind of the guy. Someone was going to draft Dunn and then be kind of placed into this, like, well, can our we have two starting we have a starting quality point guard already, but we're we're spending a high lottery pick on a guy who should, you know, the whole point is to draft them as a starter, you know, down the road and really, you know, get hit the ground running. What do we do with Ricky Rubio? And I think some of your intrepid commenters have interpreted my appreciation of Dunn as like a depreciation of Rubio. I, I definitely don't like Rubio is a good player. I think you you guys have hit at what makes him valuable, but. If you're drafting Dunn, the baby's sort of out of the bathwater, I think. I think at some point, you know, Dunn's going to be the guy, and he's got to be the guy with the ball in his hands. You don't want to – and to me, like, I would start that process sooner rather than later. Uh, and I think, you know, don't – you wouldn't give Rookie Rubio away, of course. And I know he's he's got his abilities. And I, in theory, I guess, yes, okay, Dunn solves the backup point guard job, steps in. I – I just think that, especially with young point guards, it can be real dicey. We saw this a little bit in Atlanta last year with Schroeder and Teague, that when there's not a clear pecking order of who is the guy going forward, I think it can really hurt both players and kind of hurt the team and put the coach in this weird position. And I would, as good as Rubio is, if you're drafting Dunn to keep him, I think you may as well already start to try to look for value for Ricky Rubio and turn the team to Dunn. And then you have your new big three with plus whatever you get for Rubio, and that's how you go forward. Like I, I just don't think that trying to kind of wedge the two of them together, unless they really can play together, I don't know. I'm skeptical, but we'll see. I just don't think that's a very viable solution. I would want to, for the sake of kind of making everybody better, I would want to move on from that sooner rather than later if possible. Yeah, I'm... I'm skeptical of Rubio and Dunn's ability to play together. I have been since that was mentioned. There's not enough shooting as currently comprised. You'd have to play at least two other shooters in the lineup. And long have the Wolves been short of good three-point shooters. And Mm -hmm. acquiring Brandon Rush this offseason for pennies was an excellent move to try and give a little bit of shooting that will likely come off the bench and maybe be able to work in some of those lineups and also working with Nemanja Bielitsa, who's another prospect that I hope has a better year this season than he did last season. The entire discussion that Mike just had is why I wanted to trade this pick, which I know is... (laughs) They almost did. (laughs) Which which I know is a point that has has been discussed long and and loud, and I would have loved to do that 76ers deal (laughs) that was... Rumored. Describe that that rumored deal for for the audience. It was well. It was two twenty three and Noel, I believe. Oof. For the oh, wait. were they were they trying to throw the kitchen sink at Dunn? Well, there was also the other big deal, which was Jimmy Butler mm, and the Butler yeah. for Levine and Dunn, which I would have done in a heartbeat. And I'm not convinced that it's the best fit, but you don't turn down that deal. And I would have embraced Zach Levine's. Yeah. 40 against the Timberwolves in every game for the rest of his career. You do that so you compare on the perimeter Jimmy Butler and Wiggins. Wait, you were saying at draft day that you didn't think that they should do that deal. No, on draft day I don't. I'm just saying, if, you, if you're going to say do it, you do it so you can own the perimeter in a game that's become a very perimeter-oriented game. Yeah. Defensively, at least. And um, just have be shut savage. down guys on the perimeter. <laughs> yeah, it'd be crazy. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I the mean, trade was Noel... 
Covington and then the two uh, international prospects. You oh, guys got, Covington was which, in there too. That's right. Um, <laughs> you know, I I said on draft day, I put it in my recap too. I would have taken that trade. Um, <laughs> you know, I really do like Chris Dunn a lot. It's not hard for me to envision him being a good player. I think even if he doesn't hit his ceiling, he's going to be a valuable player. But yeah, I just think I'm really high on Erlens Noel as a defender, and I, I would have taken that deal. But as as David kind of alluded to. It's it's almost out of this fear that, you know, Timberwolves fans, the real diehards, people that follow this team closely, um, they knew that if Dunn was the pick, this is uh, this is immediately going to put a, a ton of questions and a ton of heat on Ricky Rubio's future. And of course, that's what happens. That's what's been happening. Um, tons of conversations, trade rumors, people speculating on his future here. Um, just to make an argument for why they should keep Rubio and and why I mean I, they will keep Rubio I think um, they're going to let it play out this season. Well, you think so? I mean they they already after tried. this season I, I I could see them trading him if things go really bad at the trade deadline. Um, but I think they'll give him the whole season and I think that they'll just see how it shakes out. I think that. Um, I mean, the Timberwolves' goal is to make the playoffs, and and doing that with a rookie yeah. point guard is is going to be a tall task. And and Rubio is already, you know, exactly. Yes, he has flaws, but he's a very good player. Um, you know, in a league that's saturated with scoring point guards, he's one of the top defenders. He can, you know, he's maybe the best passing point guard in the entire NBA. Um, next, next to Ben Simmons. Yeah, the six ten point forward. But I mean, Rubio. When you really think about it, he's like the perfect guy to make all these young um, scorers, Levine, Towns, Wiggins, those guys can score like 60, 65 points in their sleep together. I mean, he's the perfect guy to, um, you know, make all these guys happy. And, and my worry is that when these guys play in the league longer and their egos get a little bit bigger and they make more money and they want more shots, it's like, well, I'm looking at Ricky Rubio as like the perfect guy to keep all these guys happy. Um so I'm interested and, to see how Dunn works with those guys. I really like Chris Dunn, and um, I'm just interested. I just think it's a great problem to have is 48 minutes of really great point guard play. I haven't seen it as a Wolves fan like my entire life. So I'm like, let's uh, do it. We don't talk about J.J. Barea. We just don't. Um, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> um, yeah, you guys had, I, some, you had some good point guards back in the day, though. Like Terrell Brandon was good. Stefan Marbury was great. Right, but we never have had two. <laughs> yeah, right, I know. Right. I'm sorry. I just it, this returns to a point that I wanted to make. The last time the Wolves finished over 500, let alone made the playoffs, was in 2004-2005. Like, wow, right. wow. Now, I see why there's so much hope. Yeah, I mean, those are all fair points. I mean, the, But to me, those are also points for why you don't draft Chris Dunn, also. Yes, uh, so you're right. That, that's sort of like, that's why it's like sort of now the baby is almost out of the bathwater. It's like the toothpaste is out of the tube, like... What kind of it's kind of the situation like and and they have tried to trade Rubio before right I mean they were looking for a, a lot of value which they should be doing but you know they were close on Chris Mid- they they wanted Chris Middleton that was rejected uh they wanted to put him re- reportedly in the deal for Butler that was rejected so I I just kind of think it's sort of already out there as like what and and, and you know we'll see maybe I also think that with the way Dunn played in summer league should be very encouraging. The fact that he's also already 21. I mean, he he's, he's a rookie. Rookies are not generally very good, but of rookies, he I think is pretty far advanced for what he could be. And you know, 
I, I don't know. I think, like I said, that whoever drafted Dunn was going to inherit this sort of awkward problem. The other, yeah. the other thing with Rubio is that, if nothing else, I think he'll start the season with the Wolves. Last season was probably his best season. Oh, yeah. And it was no, his yeah, healthiest season. His best season. Yeah. And it was his healthiest season, both of which matter. So even if the Timberwolves are looking to build his trade value, he needs to have a good start to the season, both for his own sake and for either proving to this team that he deserves to stay and he deserves to be a part of the equation moving forward or proving to his next team that I am a starting caliber point guard in the NBA and I can get that on the market. So I think he'll start the season to try and continue that, let alone if he starts the season shooting 35-36% from three, he doesn't need to be great. He needs to be average. If he's average, he's an amazing player. Like, Yeah, you know, if Jason Kidd can learn how to shoot threes well and end up being one of the, the greatest of all time in terms of you know uh, how many made, um, then Rubio can learn how to shoot 36% from three. He only needs to be competent. That's all yes, he needs to yes. be. He also, I mean, he, he has to finish a little better around the basket, but he did yeah, make big strides. No question. Say. Major strides, I thought, in his uh, mid-range jumper. Yeah, I mean, he's he's unquestionably a really good player. It's just, I don't yeah. know. I guess I just don't really see how they can play together, but we will yeah, see. I feel like there, sh- there should be a lot of teams that want him, though, right? Like, yeah. I mean, from my perspective, I feel like he would help a lot of teams in the NBA. A lot. Rubio? Like, he's a really good, young, pretty young player still. Yeah, Rubio. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right, but the only problem is that a lot of these teams – already have point guards you know yeah, yeah. so i guess you're you're really talking about only a few teams that really have major woes at that position then so utah most should the, have gone and gotten him uh, i don't agree i don't think it's a good fit but i think you know sacramento could use him san antonio actually yeah. san antonio san antonio yeah yeah san antonio would be killer yeah i i don't think utah because they they need for shooting around their playmakers or their wing players That's and they true. need more shooting so if somebody comes for him, the Spurs will come for him. That's like that's a match made in heaven. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see. It's a it's a dilemma. Now back to to Thibodeau. Uh, we haven't really talked uh, a lot about Thibodeau, the executive. I mean, we know Thibodeau, the head coaches uh, at the top of the the league. Thibodeau, the executive, no, we had no track record. How would you guys assess this first summer in terms of his moves? Uh, we talked about Dunn, but how about some of the other stuff and the overall strategy of uh, the players that they targeted? They were patient. And in, in Timberwolves fan Twitter, they were patient to a fault. But <laughs> the deals they came out of the summer with, they they didn't overpay for anybody. They didn't spend... I mean, look at the Lakers. Like that's the easy example. They didn't. They didn't go four and sixty-four from Mozgov. They didn't go whatever Deng's deal ended up being, which they were priced out of well before. Like, uh, it, they they came out of the summer with uh, Brandon Rush on like one year, two point three million, which is amazing value for one of the. I think he's the one of 12 people who has a career three-point percentage over 40% that's active in the NBA right now. Mm. I looked that up when his deal. I didn't, I didn't know he was a career 40% three-point shooter, but he is. Um, and he had his best shooting season last season in Golden State, which obviously had a little bit of help with that. But sure. he looked he – had, he started in place of Harrison Barnes when Harrison Barnes was injured for 25 games and played well. Yeah. Like, on the best team in the NBA, he started 25 games, and they won lots of them. <laughs> that's yeah. – that's yep. something, and I being think around that, that the pedigree it, it has oh, to wear yeah. off. Yeah, the experience, and 
shooting is a skill that ages well. If he's yeah. healthy, he'll be a great addition. The Jordan Hill signing is interesting, but again, it's a value deal. Two years, eight million with the second year as a team option. Like compared to all of the other deals that were out there on the mark on the market, that's amazing value for somebody who's going to do what he needs to do, probably play 15, 20 minutes a game if he needs to as a backup big off the bench. And then with the draft, they they drafted Dunn, who looks like a quality prospect. There are questions around that, which we've already we've already talked about plenty of the questions around oh, yeah. the decision to draft <laughs> Dunn. But I think as far as the free agency decisions, he didn't swing out this summer, sign a stupid contract that might prevent the Wolves once the contracts of all of Wiggins, Levine, uh, Shabazz, Gorgie Jang, Towns, Dunn come up in the next three years. They're going to need to have the cap space to deal with all of those or as many of those as they see fit to keep, which obviously you got Wiggins and Towns are guarantees right now. And so he did what was necessary this summer. I think that they're I think that the Wolves this season will be deeper than people give them credit for. But yeah, he didn't he did what he needed to do. He got value. He didn't sign long stupid contracts. He stayed out of the way of all of that business and I'm I'm fine with that for through the first two months. I really want to get you guys opinion on what you think that Sibs is gonna bring out of those two specific players, the Wiggins and Towns, the two guarantees that we just talked about. What is it that you think he's going to kind of add to their games or, or bring out of them or, or push them towards that you're excited to, to, to see? Yeah, I touched on this briefly at this at the start of the podcast, but I just think that defensively, you know, Wiggins, he needs to to take a huge step forward um, and be that be that two way player. That's that's what he was advertised as coming yeah. out of Kansas and. Um, you know, his rookie year, I, I thought he was pretty good at defense. Uh, you know, Flip Saunders, something he did is he tasked him with the best wing player offensively every single night. I mean, he was guarding James Harden. He was guarding uh, Dwayne Wade. When the Knicks came to town, he was guarding Carmelo Anthony. And then last year, something I just I just found so odd was Sam Mitchell had Tayshaun Prince guard that top uh, wing scorer. And he and he and he put and he put Wiggins on the worst guy every night. And I honestly saw Andrew Wiggins get bored with some of these guys he was defending. And uh, we saw worse. We saw worse defense. Honestly, uh, Wiggins is the type of guy. I mean, he shines brightest when the stage, uh, when he's on a big stage. Uh, all his best performances are are coming against you know the Warriors or or LeBron and the Cavs or you know insert whatever team that's really good. Um, or if it's a nationally televised game, he, he really shows out. And uh, I think there's this, this thing with Andrew Wiggins that he just, once the Timberwolves are more competitive and get in these better games, I think he's just going to keep getting better. But he's got to show something um, on defense that, that we didn't see last year. He's got to get these stops. He has to look interested. And um, so I think just, just looking at Andrew Wiggins, that's something that, that, that Tibbs is going to really look to, to help him with in year three. I mean, he, he's a good offensive player. He, he relies too much on his mid-range game, and I think Tibbs is probably going to ask him to shoot more corner threes after the, the All-Star break um, 
He shot like 40, 41% from three. Uh, that's when the Wolves spacing really looked good with Rubio and Levine. I think we're going to see a lot more of that and try to get that kind of mid-range, you know, long two, that, that yucky stuff out of his game. Um, you know, he's still good on the block and stuff in the mid-post ISO. I think we'll still see that because he's, he's really effective in that. But um, so, yeah, those are the things I think that Tibbs is going to ask him. He'll ask him to create more in the pick and roll as a ball handler, too. And that's something he's been working on this offseason. Um, and we, yeah. Sorry, just on Towns, I think the same thing. I mean, Towns was remarkable offensively as a rookie. I mean, he's the best rookie prize since Tim Duncan, but defensively, he was average. Uh, he he huh, needs to take. You think so? He need, yeah, I think he was average for sure. He, he was out of position a lot. Um, he, one thing he does is he, he sells out to get blocked shots, uh, rolling over from the backside and, um, he needs to cut that out of his game. It, you know, it's hard to critique such a great rookie, but he could, he has a long ways to go to be a dominant defensive player. And I honestly was disappointed. I thought Gorgie Jang was a better defensive player than Towns last year. Um, Interesting. It's, yeah, it's, uh, I think it's a misconception. I thought he was literally amazing he shot dirk level mid-range uh jumpers like long twos <laughs> and stuff like he he was like so good offensively i've always thought he's underrated by the way even at louisville jang. i didn't ever thought he got the credit he deserved yeah huh jang yeah, yeah. jang had a really good year um yeah. he he had his best year of his career i mean he's gonna get like 18 20 million per like there's no <laughs> question um doesn't mean anything anymore but i totally agree like yeah. i know it doesn't mean anything but like i and and the wolves are talking about doing that extension before the season starts i mean there's some optimism around that but even if not i, I think they're going to try to keep him around because he is a very solid player i mean there are questions about how him and towns um you know down the road it's an awkward pairing i mean you had gorgie jang guarding the power forwards and towns guarding centers when in your head you're like well you know, Towns has such great lateral quickness. He can, you know, he showed against Golden State. He guarded Curry on an island. Why wouldn't you put Towns on the power forward? But right. uh, for some reason, that's what Mitchell chose to, to roll with. But um, so, yeah, I think with Tibbs, I mean, with Wiggins and Towns, it's, it's all going to be on defense. These guys can, can they're good offensive players. So Now, Towns is a rookie, so expecting to be a plus-plus defender, I think, is yeah, yeah. asking a lot. But uh, interesting no. you thought, Jang. You actually, also, you answered one of the questions that we got from at Jet Tonto, uh, which is, is Gorgie uh, and Towns a, a long-term pairing? Uh, David, I want to turn his second question to you. Uh, what, the same thing we asked of what Tibbs can do for Wiggins and Towns, like, what can he do for Levine and what is Levine's realistic ceiling now that he's finally out of the weird point guard experiment and into a two full time? Well, it's it's essentially the same point John made. Levine's biggest problem on defense his rookie year was he was guarding point guards and he was too small, so he got wiped out every time he ran into a screen. Last year, the bigger problem was him being out of position and not knowing where to go. That won't fly with your head coach being Tom Thibodeau, as it won't for any of these three. And I think Levine has the physical tools to at least be a competent defender. That's true. Like, he's fast, he's got good lateral quickness, he can keep up with people, he's long. He has the physical tools to do it. If he can get his mental place in a good situation and learn his, learn Thibodeau's system, I think it could be huge for him as a player. I, like... I think his ceiling is unbelievable. There are he can score 
just he he has those nights where he can go off and score 30 40 points which that's not a score that very many that's not an ability that very many people in the NBA have it's just mm-hmm. not like he can also dunk he can also dunk which is cool and which <laughs> continues to be a thing i wrote about him dunking this morning yeah. <laughs> um but i think that he can be a competent basketball player not to mention the fact that he shot I think 38% from three last, 38 or 39% from three last year over the whole season. And I want to say 42% after the All-Star break when he's exclusively playing the two. So he's got a lot of NBA skills with him. And playing, playing the two full-time, if he can learn like a sliver of defensive competence, he could be a really, really good player in the NBA for a while. <laughs> he's very young. He's like what, twenty years old, right? He's twenty. Yeah, he's twenty. He's twenty. He's twenty-one. Uh, so he's oh, twenty-one. Can, he can go to a bar now with with Andrew. Um, so that's good. <laughs> or they could just go to, back to Canada in. with Wiggins, and that would be fun too. Could, yeah, that's a that's a fair point. <laughs> <laughs> How far is Minneapolis from the border? Ooh, I don't even know off the top of my head. I think it's it's not terribly far. I know it's also maybe not necessarily near anything remotely interesting in Canada. <laughs> I've never been, I've never been to Canada, but I should probably go sometime just just in the na- in the name of uh, uh, Maple Jordan. Yeah, <laughs> that would have been like Mike growing up being like I've never been to like uh, Philadelphia, you know, so like, <laughs> geographically speaking. But no, I, I I just went to like Canada for the first time this summer, so I'm also guilty of I've this. I've never been to Canada. Actually, it was the I've, second time. But no, but I've been to like. East Detroit, like the part of Detroit that's just across the border because the hotels were cheaper. That was it. <laughs> Pretty close. You could actually see it from your front front porch. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> just a quick uh, point on Levine. I, uh, you know, among the the Timberwolves blog sphere, I, I'm probably I, I might be the highest on Zach Levine of anybody. I think his defense has been atrocious, but. Uh, I just see his ceiling is just incredibly high, and I, I just think he has all the tools to be a successful player in the modern NBA. Um, he, he's a really good catch-and-shoot three-point guy. I think he was he shot better like post-All-Star break like Curry and Thompson. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he's outstanding. He has a lot of skills, and so defensively, that's, that's where he gets to that All-Star level yeah. is – where he becomes a good defender. And and will he? I have no idea because he loses focus all the time. He gets crushed by screens. He doesn't have a great understanding of how to play defense, but he does have the tools and the lateral quickness like David said. Yeah. No, I think his ceiling is obviously just given his athleticism incredibly high, but also just the he has streaks where it looks like he's not really thinking about it as much. I know that sounds kind of cliche, but he yeah. I feel like he's a guy who gets going so fast and gets like out of his own emotional range to be playing a sport like basketball yeah. sometimes. And that's not obviously a good headspace. But when he's playing in, in certain, you know, points of the fluidity hits, like he he is a, a, a special athlete in the entire world. Straight up, he'd be winning the triple jump in the Rio Olympics this summer if he wasn't playing basketball, <laughs> right? I mean, let's be honest, he's built like an Olympian. Um and also so young. And I think Tibbs is a perfect coach for him as well. I mean, you talk about the adding defense to players. I mean, that's that could be your best multiplier right there for him. Um, but I wanted to move on to a, a couple last questions for you guys. I like to just get a, a few quick hitters at the at the different uh, guests we have who come on about their about their teams because you guys have been following you know the Timberwolves for a long time. They're a big part of your life. So I'll start with historic questions, and I'm gonna go right back to uh, 
uh, to to the the present day predictions for this season. What, uh, Dave? Tell me first, who's your what's your favorite Timberwolves team of all time? The team that you you not covered or whatever as a child, you name it. Your favorite team of all time. It's gonna sound counterintuitive, but I, I, I loved the uh, twenty thirteen twenty fourteen team, the team that <laughs> finished for the team that finished forty and forty two, and were like two games out of the playoffs. I wanted Kevin Love to get to the playoffs in Minnesota. Like yeah. I that I had more of a like conscious adult attachment than I did to the the big KG teams. I was. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm I'm 26. I was in middle school when those teams were a thing, and I just sure. it wasn't as big of a thing. I just like I wanted the Kevin Love, Ricky Rubio Timberwolves to have, even if it was only the one year because of David Kahn screwing up Kevin Love's contract negotiations. <laughs> I wanted them to get into the playoffs once and just have that happen, and they just they couldn't do it that year. And I that just it just bums me out, but I love that team. I did. <laughs> Interesting answer, John. Who, who's yours? Yeah, definitely the last the last playoff team that graced uh, the fine the, the the real North as I like to call it. But uh, I mean, Cassell, Sprewell, Garnett, Western Conference Finals. Unfortunately, we ran into Shaq and Kobe. They're uh, two pretty good guys. Pretty I feel good your players. pain, man. Yeah, but uh, I mean, Garnett was like I mean, MVP. I mean, go, go look at his basketball reference page that last season. It's just it's just ridiculous. It's just crazy how good he was that season, and I I'll never forget that. Yeah, I, what's amazing though is he's still technically on the team. <laughs> he is, and I and I would I you know my prediction is that he will return. You think he will return? I was going to ask like what I what's agree. the temperature? You think he's coming back? Is, do you think it's going to kind of be like the assistant coach, but also but that gets a player salary type of thing, or is he going to play at all? Yeah, yeah, he's going to get his eight million just like last year. I think he's going to play like twelve to fourteen minutes. They're probably twelve of them are going to come. He's going to play the whole first quarter because. His knees like lock up. They get he gets really tired. He he can't really re- regenerate them after he gets going. So he'll play the whole first quarter. Uh, defensively, he still is like a plus player. He's he was really good defensively. Still, um, his communication is amazing to watch. Offensively, he gives you hardly nothing. But uh, I do think he's going to come back. I think in in his heart, he wants to be on this team that goes to the playoffs, that breaks this twelve year drought, and just usher. Towns, Wiggins, Levine, Don Rubio, all these, all these guys into the future. I think that that's his vision. Uh, I know his body is telling him different things, but I, I do think he will give it a go. And he, and and he I mean, can be a, so he, he can be a huge influence at practice as well. I mean, obviously, it means a little bit more if he is suiting up and playing, no matter what his role with the organization is. But obviously, his 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 impact as a person on these young guys. We're talking about defense, communication. Those are all obviously. I think that's a great point super influential things to be passed down and try to be communicated to, you know, this younger generation of Wiggins and Towns. But uh, go ahead. You were going to say something there? And you can, and you can see that like even mm. in today's news, the NBA and NBA players association announced their awards for the season. And one of the things they announced was the best teammate on each team award. Kevin Garnett <laughs> was the Wolves. Yeah, he was like, and but they're, they're not allowed to elect an assistant coach. I think they kind of screwed that up. <laughs> yeah. He, it, it, it's exactly like John said. He was great when he played last year, and he shut it yeah. down in, I want to say he last played in January last season, so he shut it down really early. But I, yeah. I agree with John. I think he's back, and I'm curious to see. What, I, I don't think it's a question of whether or not he's back. I think I would be surprised if he retired at this point, but I'm curious to see where he agrees to have his minutes played. Because mm. like, like John said, he... 
he typically, like, when he played, he started last year. He played, like, about the first six minutes of the first quarter, came back for the, like, last five minutes of the first half, then played for the first five minutes of the third quarter, and then was done for the night. Yep. But I'm curious to see if in negotiations with Thibodeau, who I know, I know he and Thibodeau have talked multiple times since the regime change came in, because obviously Kevin and Sam Mitchell were very close, given they played together for a while, and Sam was like <laughs> Kevin's mentor when he came into the league. So that that was an interesting play in terms of the front office for, for Sam <laughs> so to be removed. So there's that the dynamic. That was. There, is, there is also a bit of that dynamic, but I'm... So that that's what I'm curious about. I'm curious to see where where his minutes are used in the game if and when he is back. Because they they are still very valuable minutes. They're just not very many. Right. Could, could they be more valuable if they were waited on until the playoffs? If there oh, happened to be a wow. playoff push until a final month of the season, maybe? And then it's like, here's your 15 a game for one month? Hmm. Playoffs, huh? All right. I'm so just that, saying. I mean, That's a segue that, for you, Mike. There's your yeah, game. It's lighting up. Go for it. I mean, everybody's getting really excited about this team. We know Thibodeau's record of just immediate improvement. And you know the talent they had. And as we mentioned at the jump, they were actually kind of feisty at the end of the year, as the Warriors would know. But also other teams, they were, you said, a top five offense for the second half of the year is playoffs realistic i mean are we talking like oklahoma city thunder style like leap into the postseason from down from a downtrodden year like is that realistic i definitely i i I don't think it's out of the question huh i i think i like the moves that they did this offseason because I didn't want them. I wanted them to assess the team with just clear eyes and just unbiased and just see what they have because they haven't been around these guys before they make really big moves. And I really like Cole Aldrich off the bench. I like, I think, you know, Jordan Hill can help. He's not Adrian Payne. Um, That's huge. That's a really great thing. Um, And so I think that their bench is going to be a lot better. And where they, they lost so many games last year is their bench just, it, it was a dumpster fire. Like, like I tell people, like, their starting unit is an average, like like a borderline playoff team, like an eight seed, like that. They're right there, but their bench unit is like the worst thing you've ever watched. I mean, it's horrible. They'll lose if they're up twelve and they put their bench in for a few minutes. I mean, that lead is gone right away. So I do think Chris Dunn is going to help a lot with that, and uh, I think Aldrich is going to help. I think Hill and Rush and, and those guys, and, and Shabazz, too, as the sixth man. So I don't think the playoffs are out of the question. ESPN's forecast says plus 10 wins, so they got them at 39. Mm. Um, that's not going to be enough. So No. Well, it might be. I don't know. The West In the West, I, I'm just I'm not sure. I, would, I think like 45, 46 is going to be like the lowest number. I could be wrong, but. No, I tend to agree with that. Thir- 39, Mike. I don't have a high opinion on some of these low West teams as you do. Now, to your point about the starting lineup, I was just looking this up. The five-man unit that is expected to start the year, the Rubio, Levine, Wiggins, Towns, Jang lineup, in 648 minutes outscored opponents by about four, point, four points per 100 possessions last year. So like you said, their starting lineup is fairly quality, and they just got sunk by the bench. But David, why is the playoffs – maybe a little bit uh, over the top. I think that the, I've said this before. I think that the playoffs depend 
kind of less on how the Wolves do this year than it does on whether the fortunes of some other Western Conference teams kind of crash a little bit. Because I, I've... I've said that my benchmark for the Wolves is if they can get 500 this year, which last year the Houston Rockets were the eight seed in the Western Conference at 41 and 41. Yep. So lest lest we forget, 500 was good enough to make the playoffs in the West last season. So I think that they'll make a jump. ESPN has them at a 10 win jump to 39 and 43, which I believe in the ESPN forecast had them 10th in the West. I mm-hmm. I think that they'll be out of the the worst teams in the West bracket kind of with like where, where I envision like LA and Sacramento and Phoenix kind of to be down in the bottom tier of things. I agree. But I, the, the question is how many of the teams in kind of that middle tier can they be better than is what, what is the new Memphis Grizzlies thing going to look like? How is James Harden going to react to the amount of criticism he got last year? How big of a jump is Utah going to have? Is the Portland Trailblazer roster experience going to be successful or not? Uh, Are the Dallas Mavericks going to be a no playoff team yet again because Rick Carlisle is a wizard? Uh, And the team we talked about earlier today on our show, the Thunder, what are they going to be? Yeah. Yeah. The biggest question mark, yeah. Yeah, and there are so, so there are so many question marks around the teams that could be around them that I think if they're a 500 team, they give themselves a fighting shot. But so much depends on who else falls. That parody you just spoke about is amazing. Like that's so. I mean, I'm just as an exciting thing to think about for this upcoming season. You're absolutely right. I don't think there's very much separating any of those teams you just mentioned. <laughs> And I think I, I, I think, think they're going to be in that conversation. Yeah, I think that they yeah. they can be in the conversation, whether or not they they get over the hump and get a seven or an eight seed. That would be great. But that I don't think that should be. Well, they'll say it's a primary goal. I think the primary goal should be the record, and then see where other teams end up. Yeah, I agree. I think they're definitely in the mix. I mean, like you guys said, they were pretty good the second half of the year once they punted on that weird Levine experiment and just <laughs> played their best guys. And now they have a major coaching upgrade, and they're all young. So I, I don't think it's totally out of the question for them to be thinking playoffs at this stage. And I also don't think it's necessarily a disappointment if they fall short. You know, if they win 36, 37 games, they're still on an upward trajectory. So I would not freak out. They are in a pretty good spot, that's for sure. Nice. So at the end of it all, guys, positive vibes. It's a good time to be a Timberwolves fan. I think we could all agree on that. Yeah. Great vibes, yeah, man. What a time to be to be alive in uh, Minneapolis. <laughs> it's it's fun to have a basketball. I always say this to my friends: the best thing is having a for all your sports teams you could possibly have is to have a really good basketball team because usually it's fortified in having five to ten years of success. Football comes and goes in waves similarly, but only at the top teams. And then your baseball is much much more sporadic. Teams come and go up and down every freaking season. I mean, look at the Giants who have won and then not missed the playoffs in consecutive seasons for six years. Oh, there's, there's also the Twins. Sure. I mean, yo, I know, <laughs> yeah, they're I, horrible this year. <laughs> well, yeah, I know. And some of the prospects, I follow baseball way more closely than I, I should as someone who also follows basketball equally as closely. But it's, I know uh, the, the prospect game has been unkind to the Twins in the last few seasons. A lot of highly touted players have missed thus yep. far. Need, need Byron Buxton to, to figure it out. So. That's but right. no, I think I think for the Wolves, just just a yeah, one last point. I just think that this city is just so ready for the Wolves to be competent and to be a playoff <laughs> team. They're just starving for it, and I and I think that if they can get off to a hot start, and and people they know what's going on with the Wolves. Like the rise is real in a lot of people's minds, and 
I think once they get people in target center, and I think they are going to, they're getting, uh, they have, they're doing renovations right now. It's going to be a, a nicer building with a much bigger scoreboard. Mm-hmm. People believe in what they're doing because Glenn Taylor has done something he, he never does. He's 50 million to Tibbs and Layden. I mean, mm-hmm. this is a, a real organization right now. And I think that people believe now more than ever. And I, I think this everybody's ready to see this come together. And I, I just think it, I, I, I see it coming together. But I'm also a homer, so <laughs> you, can't, you can't trust me. That's perfect. That's why we got you guys on. That's the idea. Yes, yes. And thank you guys for coming on very, very much. That's John Meyer and, uh, and David Neller of uh, Canis Hoopus, SB Nation's Minnesota Timberwolves basketball site, NBA site. You guys are fantastic. I really enjoyed having you come on. And, and as, you, as the Timberwolves progress through this season – and as they gain steam, because I'm going to ride this train right with you guys. As, as the Sixers are terrible every season, I pick teams to just really <laughs> tag along to and, and really watch their rise. It was the Thunder for five years. And as we continue to grow as a franchise, I will, I will live uh, vicariously through your Wait, you're, fantastic you're, you're done with the Thunder, even though Russ is back? You, got no, I'm, you, know, I'm going to stay with, you know I'm staying with Russ, but I'm, I, their chances of winning a championship or succeeding in being that, that foil to Golden State, not that I root against Golden State, is, is less, whereas the Timberwolves feel like they're being built in like a laboratory to stop Golden State. It's kind of funny. Yeah, that is definitely true. Now, it sounds like – so you're saying basically that uh, you're, you guys haven't defined the relationship, you and Oklahoma City, so you're seeing other people. Okay. Yeah, we're testing the uh, NBA League past waters, okay? You're, you're basically on date five, and you're not sure <laughs> what to do with the Thunder. I get it. Okay. All right. Fair enough. But, uh, yeah, again, thank you guys very, very, very much for coming on. We appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, it's, it's been a blast. Thanks, guys. Nice. Cool, cool. So, uh, yeah, find us, subscribe to us, all that good stuff on SoundCloud, uh, Stitcher, uh, and iTunes. And, and rate us and review us. That helps when, when the rating and reviewing uh, occurs as well. Um, and, and soon we'll be coming up on another platform, but look out for that. Mike will update you all on his social media feed, um, which is uh, lively. Mike, what it, how can people find you uh, and, and send questions to, to us? Yeah, you guys can always send me questions. My email is uh, my name, Mike Prada, like the Italian company, but not pronounced that way, at SBNation.com. You can uh, find me on Twitter at Mike Prada SBN. Uh, you can always email the show. You can also find the show on Twitter at, at Limited Upside. Please do send us. Uh, this is the fifth of our 30 off-season podcast the next one coming up and we hope to get to all 30 i mean we do we're running out of time but we'll we'll, we'll see our best we got, uh, new orleans will be next uh we've been again checking in with all our sb nation communities after that we're looking at denver uh also encourage you all to listen to our russell westbrook podcast that we recorded uh earlier with the news that he is extended with oklahoma city and keep reading sb nation nba's uh, olympic coverage the olympics begin on saturday as i said last podcast i'm a little sort of snoozed out by this but um, it's still basketball and basketball is great yes and Mike's a hater so we're all going to have a good time watching basketball that's right because basketball is great and uh, (laughs) until next time thanks as always Limited Upside Podcast Podcast